The Mayfly is up and the excitement is palpable. Wherever you are in Ireland, the lakes and rivers are soon to be hatching with Mayfly soon. And to help you improve your catch rate this season, we've used a Mayfly Tactics Masterclass with international angler, guide and renowned tire, Jackie Mann. If you want to learn about setup, tactics, conditions and flies, then head over to www.irelandonthefly.com forward slash masterclass where you can find out all the details to access the recording and Jackie's notes. If you want to catch that difficult fish or try out new tactics, then this masterclass is for you. Hello and welcome to the Ireland on the Fly podcast about the people and places of fly fishing in Ireland. Christmas 2022 has been and gone. The presents opened and too much eating and drinking gone on, I'm sure. And you're probably counting down the days to the salmon season starting or getting back out into the water before the hectic work-life schedule starts all over again. So for our last episode of the year, we've put together a collection of our guests' most memorable fish on the fly stories. With everything from small fish to giant fish, fishing with family and friends, they give us a snapshot of just why we all like to fly fish. And Tom, before we hear from our guests, how was your Christmas and what's your plans for 2023? Man, Dara, hi. Happy Christmas to you. Or, happy Christmas. Well, Happy New Year, we should be saying now, I suppose. But uh, anyway, um, yeah, look, very much the same as I suppose everybody else. Ate too much, way too much, uh, or took it too much. And, you know, I'll pay the price in January. But, uh, you know, until then, listen, uh, enjoy it where we can. It's nice to have the year. It's fairly quiet on my side here in Pernamona. Dara, how was yours? Grads, three kids, Santi came, you know, that keeps us busy. Uh, I, I think I said this before, I like to buy myself fly fishing presents and then I get my wife to wrap them and hand them to me on Christmas morning. Oh my God, it's such a surprise. Thanks a million. What a great present. Uh, I actually, I got, um, I got for myself uh, Matt Harris's Fish of a Lifetime. Have you seen that oh, book? Cool. Yeah, uh, yeah. Bloody expensive. Uh, oh yeah. But, Big, big coffee table type book, incredible production because he's a photographer, fanatical salmon angler. So, um, yeah, I've spent my time kind of delving into that. Um, it's not a lot of photos in it, is it? A lot of photos, but uh, good stories in it as well. Um, Class. And yeah. yeah, just I like kind of doing that. You know, it's just that kind of my treat to myself over Christmas. Uh, I'll be bringing the guys, the kids out um, fishing to Adair Springs. Um, so fingers crossed on the weather. Um, next yeah. few days, I'm going to bring them out. And um, yeah, looking forward to what I always, I don't know about you, Tom, but I'm kind of, I, I get the impression you're kind of every evening sitting by the fire out with the fly tying desk, whipping up a few flies, <laughs> you know, when you're not fish fly fishing, you're thinking about fly. All the time. Oh yeah. <laughs> Let everybody believe that. I still haven't gone around to tying flies yet. So, uh, yeah. And every winter can be different. As I, I think we said that before on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whereas like last year, I think, by the end of October, I had 100 dabblers done. And then I did, uh, I did, I redid, rejig my buzzer box. I got 320 buzzers tied. Respect. Sorry, 280. And I did, uh, yeah, 280 buzzers tied. And I kept 40 from my old box. I cleared out the whole box. And my new box, 320. So that, that last year I was perfect. This year, I have nothing. nothing. What the hell have you been doing with your time? Yeah, New Year's resolution. Oh, Netflix. Yeah, Netflix and social media. Yeah, it's my New Year's resolution. It's the time, yeah, time more flies and less time, less time wasted in front of the phone. Unless you're listening to podcasts, of course. 
Of course. Well, that you see now. Here's the thing. <laughs> Are you guys out there? You can tie flies and listen to podcasts. Remember Very that. Much. Yes. Yeah. Or you can watch. Or you can watch Peter Driver as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's fun. Um, and have you like you don't get out fishing at all? No, no, nah, nah, won't do anything. Um, our fly tying club is probably going. Uh, we've fly tying Hermona anglers have a fly tying class, and um, we hope at the end of January to do uh, a day out on on leash angling. Ah, so yes, yes. That, that's what we're hoping to do. And then, of course, then we're in the middle of February, so look forward to that. Actually, won't be long coming. Um, and like, mm-hmm. of course. Salmon season starting um, next week. Yeah, hopefully yeah. speak to Shane Gallagher and the Drows. Just get an update from the Drows in January for the first episode. Yeah. Um, like, like I'm already planning now the kind of trips and thinking uh, this. Actually, this is what I like doing this kind of time of year. Is that it's kind of sitting there and go right? Okay, January when I get to the Drows, February Blackwater starts. Um, Carb opens might even get up there, Tom. We can yeah. do an episode up there. Yeah. Um, we have I, to. We were meant to do one last year. Yeah. So. And it didn't have transpired this year, it's definitely. But you know what we said, you know, as everybody knows, and we still have to get a proper term for it, our small bucket list. Yes, the, the small B bucket list. The small B bucket list. So <laughs> now is the time to get it all sorted, Dara. You know, put it yeah, down exactly. to get those places you haven't been to. Exactly. I've, been, I've never fished the Moy. Actually, there we go. We should make a trip up. Yeah, now. Because I've I never fished. Actually, whatever excuse a dub like me has for not fishing the Moy, like, you're on the bloody Mayo border. Like. I am. It's still an hour and a half. Though. Oh. I have to pass a should lot. Of should you drive that to get milk down there? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Go down to the shop. I'll be back in three hours. <laughs> uh, there's the dub coming out. You know. I know. <laughs> see, I've been hanging out with the dubs over Christmas, you know. Ah, uh, that's it. You see, yeah. That, that's to get me back to, down to Tipperary. Like. Yeah, they're trying to claw you back. So there. <laughs> It's like my wife says when I meet up with family and friends again, the accent comes out again, like, you know, uh, yeah. oh, Jesus, how's it going? <laughs> but come here. Um, I tell you what, this is an interesting episode um, for people. I think it's a nice time of year to be doing it um, in terms of, and it's actually, I we introduced a kind of, I think, well, it was Stan McCart was the first one. Um, mm-hmm. And we've made it a, a point now of every time of asking the last question is what's the most memorable fly? And in fairness, we give the guests heads up as well that we're going to ask it. So they're not on the spot. But um, I, I think for you, Tom, what do you think? Like for these stories, it was really kind of, it was such a wide range of kind of different stories, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Actually, um, as you said, like when we started, we didn't really know we thought it was going to be initially, I think kind of thought like mostly it would be the biggest fish. But, it, you know, you get such a wide range and we're sit- talking about this. Um like there's a couple of quite poignant ones, yeah. without a doubt, you know. And then there's a couple of really funny ones, really humorous ones. And then you know there's ones that you can understand how they matter to people, uh, you know. Uh, yeah. uh, like they were sort of a, quite often a lot of them are milestones, yes. you know. Yeah, they really are. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's like what look. It's like a lot of things. Like this, this whole the whole podcast is very eclectic. Yeah, you never know. You know, we like to. I mean, we like to have a broad range of guests, but um. There's no guarantee with every guest that you get on as to that you'll get a set answer. And yeah. that's and that's the beauty of it. And, that, you know, this is great why it's worth listening to. And we were talking about it when we were going to do this. And it was very interesting when we went back over them to, to see the, 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 the variance in the replies. Yeah, definitely. I think people enjoy it. Like it's, you know, so what you're going to hear, folks, is just kind of 
around one minute where you know where we ask the people we'll we'll introduce the the, the the guest and then you'll hear their kind of one minute story of what their most memorable fish on the fly was um and we'll start I think with Stan McCart, uh, who we spoke to about successful lock fishing earlier in the season, and he described um, catching a big brown trout on Rutland. Memorable fish that I ever caught. Uh, I actually caught it on Rutland about, would it be five, maybe five, six years ago, so it was, and it was eight pounds, six ton. And it was the, the, the biggest brown trout was caught in Rutland that year. It was, and that was caught on a size 12 uh, cormorant. That's wow. just size 12 cormorant. That's unbelievable, you know. But it doesn't get it the day. If it got it the day of the competition, I'd have been well up to them, but I don't get it. I don't <laughs> <like> this day. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but you still remember it. You still remember oh, it. Of course, all those, all the rainbows in, or the, the browns in Rutland are only stocked at a pound, so that they're virtually wild oh. at that stage. Oh, I've, I've, uh, no, they, they're all stocked in, Tom. Oh, they're all stocked uh, in, but I know the, the stocking policy with Browns, they only stock them in quite small. That's right. right. That's yeah. right. They so grow on. The they grow on, don't they? But I've, I've uh, seven, I've a 7-point trout out of the locker in, Tom, during the Mayfly. Lovely. Uh, numerous, Tom, numerous three and four and five-point trout out of the locker in. Next up, then, we had um, Roy Pierce speaking, and he was talking about the magic of the Mayfly season. Uh, Roy is my, one of my next-door neighbours here. And um, uh, Roy definitely caught me uh, out on his most memorable fish because it involved, of all things, a toilet. But listen on. It's a very long-winded and very unlikely story lies behind it. So I'm not sure that we should record it here. but I think we should. I think we should, yeah. Sorry. You, I'll you should do. <laughs> okay. I'll try and be as brief as I possibly can. Growing up in North Kilkenny on a what was then a very prolific small trout stream, there happened to be a timber mill on the side of the river. And the toilet of the sim- timber mill overhung the river, to say the least. But in those days going back to what we called dibbling, which is the English version of dapping. We used as kids to dap blue bottles underneath the trees and the bushes. But there was this particular trout underneath this, the tree. And the only way I could get at him was to put, this was maybe some 10, 12 feet above the, the river, was to put the rod down through the toilet seat and dibble the blue bottle down below. And it, I did actually catch it. It was a massive fish. It was a pound and a quarter, which was a huge fish for that river. <laughs> did you catch but, uh, it through the seat? The most, that, through the seat. The it, was, yes. it was definitely a fish. <laughs> but it is the most memorable. <laughs> yes. Memorable in more ways than one. <laughs> yeah, I know, but there you are. You did ask which was the most memorable. <laughs> we did. But a bit we of toilet did. roll was the fly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant! But, um, <laughs> no, I, I, I mean when you when you talk of memorable fish, generally people go to size big fish, and I've been very fortunate to catch a couple of very big fish occurred through my years. Yeah, on fly. I think one particular one that stands out 
was one that I, I, I hoped at Cassidy's point and landed in Schoolhouse Bay. It had to be, it was a bad, poorly conditioned fish, but in a good condition, it must have been 16, 17 pounds weight. Paddy McDonnell, uh, Unlocking the Mysteries of the Moy. Actually, this was one of our most popular episodes this year. Um, and Paddy uh, describes a salmon that he caught guiding um, for a client on the East Key. And uh, again, a very kind of poignant story uh, that you'll hear now. I won't mention this guy's name, right? <laughs> uh, uh, I won't mention this guy's name. But he was actually quite a famous, it was quite a famous uh, Scottish uh, salmon angler. And uh, he was... Uh, He'd only a few weeks to live, and he, he was fishing on the River Eski, and uh, he caught his last salmon on the sand hole and on Fortland Fishery in the Eski, and the fish was 14 pounds weight, and uh, he died two weeks later. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. That was my most memorable fish. So we spoke to Darren Maguire prior to him captaining Ireland to home international gold on Loch Melvin back in June. Uh, Darren, Darren's most memorable fish involved a huge battle with the trout on Loch Corrib during the Uthrowd 50 competition. My most memorable fish was the 100% the day I won the Uthrowd on my own. Tom remembers this because I beat him that day, but uh, <laughs> I was on my own. Uh, well, I'm saying I was on my own. It was a pairs competition, but the guy that was... With me was from Cork. He didn't catch any fish for two days, but I I got a really really good fish that day. I was out with a Welsh guy, day Willie, and I was in a tiny bay. I knew I was going to go into this wee small bay, and I knew there was a fish in it. One fish, literally one fish. I knew I had a four pounder, I had a five and a half, I had a four pounder, and I had a three and a half. I wanted one good fish. I says, I know, I know where he's going to be. And I remember talking to Day Willie, saying, I know where I'm going to get him, Day. And I was like, thinking I was completely lunatic. Like, and I goes, I'm going to him. And I, I drove like literally for 20 minutes to get into this wee tiny bay. And I knew he was there. I, and I drive into the bay and I look in and he's there. He's going with the tail up, head down. And I goes, right, reeled up, set up the tactics, the whole lot. Row the boat in exactly as I was telling you earlier with my father rode in and I was sitting at the side of a weed bed, a tiny wee bit of weeds. It was just a tiny wee bit of weeds. And I just looked and goes, I know when I hook this fish, he's going into the weeds. And I goes, right, right, get ready, darns, get ready. So I put on my methods, a certain type of method for, I was buzzer fishing at the time. So I fire out this full line like that there, but I watched the fish first. And I, as a Sandia, when I was eight years old, dad was, the fly was going down, dad tied the boat. I watched the fish heading away, and as the fish went to the furthest distance away from me, I rode like mad in, got into a position, threw a full line in, got into the exact hole, and I goes, right, the fly's there, ready to rock. Rode the, the boat back, and I just sat there, a full line away from the fish. Next thing, he was coming, coming, I goes, day, I'm going to get him, I'm going to get him, and next thing, woof, into him. As soon as I hooked him, he, go, he went somersault, 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 Four somersaults, he was five pound, well, sorry, four and three quarters he was, and uh, he just went out the lake, and I goes, oh my God, I looked round, and he was going straight for a rock. He went straight under the rock, right out under the rock. There was a hole in the bottom of the rock, and I was going, what do I do now? And I said, hold on a second, just, just holding there. So I was sitting playing a rock. The fish was way out here, 30 yards, 
Eventually, I reeled him up. He went back through the rock again, right? Next thing I said, right, I have him now. Definitely have him. What did he do? Run straight for the weed bed that I was talking about. He got all tangled up in the weed bed. I said, no, he's not going to get off. And Dice says, oh, he is. He's going he's to get off down. He's going to break. I says, no, he's not. I rode the boat back. I pulled the actual weeds up. I dropped the rod, actually. And I pulled the weeds up. The fish ran off with the weeds. I lifted again. And after about probably 40 minutes playing the fish, I got him. And as soon as I got him, I says, if I can't win this competition today, I says, I'm never fishing again. You know, and I got him and, and uh, that was it. Like, but I, I have to say that's the most memorable fish because it was just, it was just an insane bit of things. But actually, when I, when I landed the fish day, Willie said to me, I actually thought you were going to jump into the... I actually thought you were going to jump in after him, he says, when he went into the weeds. And I actually thought at one stage, will I jump in? I was that excited about catching this fish. I was jumping around the boat. like. But, um, oh, he was, he, was a, he was a brilliant fish. But when I came in that evening, you know, and won, won it, it was because it was, the Uchtarad was something, because Dad had won it with Kevin Curran. It was one I had to win. Like, it was just, I had to win it. And, and then we spoke to Eamon Ross reviewing the Mayfly season on Loch Sheelan. And Eamon described to us the fish he didn't catch the day before the All-Ireland semi-final of 1975. The most memorable fish is the one I didn't catch in, in 1975 in Loch Gall before Kerry Vaitis in the football. <laughs> but I can't count him. Right. So, well, you'll never uh, forget him. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that because it was so big. Uh, and, here, actually, before we move on to the one that you did catch, what size do you reckon was the one I locked up? Over five pounds. And I can remember... Wow. It, you know, I can remember how I can remember his fins. You know, the the the, the they were they were flared out, and he jumped up in the air, and it's like in slow motion in my head. Now I might be creating this memory myself, but I, I I'll never forget that. I the excitement that 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 I seen that I actually seen this. And you know that 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 only takes two seconds. He's up in the air, a couple of seconds back down again, but it's imprinted in your head forever. Uh, and and I remember to- looking at, at John Martin and wondering. Why he wasn't continuing to bring him in? He had broken, <laughs> he had broken the line and went away with all our flies. <laughs> but anyway, and, and she, I've caught a lot of big trout in Sheila. I've caught fish. I've caught fish with John Murray, a friend of mine from Sligo. He lives. He comes up, and we've caught fish over. I, I reckon that I got one on the nymphs last year. He certainly, he wasn't double figures. He was as close as it is that it wouldn't make any difference. But the one that I remember is I, I, I was out on my own one time and it was a lovely summer's evening getting towards dark and uh, I was fishing wet flies and I, I used to dread flat cams coming because then I couldn't fish wet. I know I wouldn't be able to do anything like I could fish nothing after that. So uh, it, it was calming down towards evening time and I was fishing up at Derry Sheridan. And the wind was blowing up the lake. Uh, so if you can imagine my, my boat was drifting up, the shore was on my left. And on my right, up in the top corner of the lake, the sun was just about heading down and shining down the lake. And uh, the, the, wave, the wave was dying. And I had a bibio on the top dropper. I hooked a trout on the bibio and he went up in the air and jumped between me and the sun. And you could see the water flying off him and there was kind of a rainbow came off him. And I man- managed to land him. 
and and I I, I don't I, I I never apologize for bringing a fish and killing one and bringing them home. I used to bring them all home that time. Uh, but I, I remember hitting him in the head and saying to myself, "Well, I'm going to enjoy this fella." And and packing up and having such satisfaction, heading over with a trout over three and a half pound, uh, and to get him in such you know, in, in such nice conditions where I, uh, where he, where he jumped and he jumped a lot and threw these masses of water up into the sun and you could see kind of rainbows come off him. So that's my most memorable throw. Caught in a bibio, probably on a floating line. Um, and, and I had fished all day and I got one rise, caught him. And you got your one I, chance and you took it. I did, yeah. Thank God, yeah. yeah. And you'll never forget him. No, no, I, 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 I often do remember that one. And um, mm. I, I'd said that that was in about probably in the late 80s. We had Jason O'Reardon on speaking about fly fishing for bass on the Copper Coast. And Jason told us of a huge bass that he caught while uh, fishing on the Copper Coast, which was definitely one of his most memorable. Probably, yeah, it's an unusual one. And actually, Dara, I think you were with me, <laughs> believe it or not. Um, we were fishing a particular mark. And we went in the dark. So we, we, we got there in the dark before daylight, um, partly because I wanted to get a bit of fishing in before anyone else was out of bed and see, saw, saw this really, like we say, specific spot where we were. And I got a really good fish. And I took him around the corner a little bit, away, not to disturb anything and not to be seen. So I had this great idea. I had one of these red LED head torches. And I said, sure, you know, I'll turn on the red light. People won't take any notice if they can see me. And, uh, you know, got the phone and I measured the fish. And, and if, if it's a big fish, uh, I think afterwards it would have been about 12 and a half pounds off of the centimetres when I converted it. Um, <laughs> the picture was a disaster. Uh, all I could see was this sort of red spotlight uh, and you could really see one third of the fish pretty well where the red beam was. <laughs> and then you know, the top and the tail and some of the head was quite blurry. Now, look, you could probably make out that it was a big fish, but like, oh my God, what a disaster. <laughs> but look, anyone who fishes with me probably knows I've no interest in, I only take the pictures, I take them on my phone. I have no proper camera. Um, I've no interest in it. I just want it as a sort of a record. If you like, I need a certain bit of it for social media. It's a bit of promotion. Um, you know, I don't like holding the fish anymore in the pictures myself, even in the lake. You know, if I was out with Tom, I'd usually say, just take a picture of him in the net or on the seat. I went through that phase where I wanted to be holding him, you know, with the arms outstretched in every picture. Uh, and look, again, I'll be honest, I went through a phase when I was younger and couldn't catch enough fish. And if I was allowed to keep six fish, I'd keep six fish. And if they, now if they said you could allow to keep four fish, I'll keep four fish. But I, now I don't, I just don't bother, you know. Maybe everybody goes through that phase. Um, maybe I'm getting old. Really don't like keeping wild fish anymore. You know, Would that have been you know, your best one, Jason? I'd say yeah, 12, 12 and a half, you know. And I think probably the most popular episode this year was Joe Crane, who was remembering the glory days of Connemara sea trout. And Joe talks about fishing Loch Nuelan, a big lake with a steel fly rod, when he caught a superb trout on a claret and mallard. That's a very easy question to answer. And I can describe the day and I can describe the location, Loch Nuelan, 
one of our mountain lakes with, with a steel, steel rod. I, it could have been an antenna from a bloody, what do we call it, one of these army, army yoke tank. And a steel rod, it was steel. And, and um, it was, I can see the spot on Loch de Whelan and I, uh, on a, on a, a Claret and Mallard, one of the days of Cork, Claret and Mallard bought in Mary King's shop in Roundstone and, and uh, with, with uh, Lelion, Lelion uh, nylon. I'll never, Lelion was the nylon that we used. And, and, and um, it was a fish of a pound and a half. And that was to me, that was the magic. That was the day, that was the day that's was the day that it all started. Wow. That, I, I actually know Nuhilon. I've fished Nuhilon before. Uh, that's yeah. a cracking fish for Nuhilon. The scallop is better. I know that. I know. because And you've told me that. And you, you sent me there. But uh, that, that's a good fish for Nuhilon. And was that one of your first trout? That was no. my first real trout. That, that, was, that was the trout that hooked me. That was the trout that, that hooked me. Wow. That was the hook that that was the fish that destroyed me. And that particular time there was a huge colony of cormorants on it. And mm. the cormorants never they, you know they, they can say what they like about cormorants. And I and, and I know well as as Tommy Thornton and Cornamuna said, the cormorant is bad, but the crane is worse. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that said before, Joe. And that is on record. It's on record. <laughs> Once uttered in O'Malley's pub in Cornamona. Yep. It is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tommy <laughs> Thornton said it. Right, the carpet is bad, but the crane is worse. Yeah, that's what he said, yeah. <laughs> Garrett Fallon from Fallon's Quarterly magazine joined us, and his most memorable fish was also another quite poignant one. It involved the capture of a, quite a large pike. The most memorable one was the 25-pound pike I caught at, um, uh, where was it? Um, it was uh, it was in the Meath Cavan border. I can't remember the name of the lake. It'll come to me. Um, but yeah, it was um, it was a January uh, day. Uh, it was actually it was two days before my dad died, and it was um, it was a friend of mine, Phil Daly. I was I was working in Navin, and he he said to me, "Trying to go pike fishing. I, I got to go down and service this bit of hospital equipment, and um, and then you know the lake is only up the road when we go there." And, um, and I said, yeah, great idea. And then he picked me up in the car. <clears throat> and then um, we got to the end of the road and it said, oh, I forgot my camera. Have you bought yours? And he went, no, I don't, I don't have a camera. I said, um, well, it's, it's a horrible old day, you know, cold January day. Um, we, you know, we probably won't catch anything anyway. And um, we went down to this lake and I, I waited in the car park while he you know, um, sorted his workout and drove off. And I was fishing with this, uh, Shakespeare strike rod, you know, this both float rods, but 11 foot float rod. It was about as thick as a telegraph pole. It was a massive thing, but it was great for pike fishing because, of, you know, it was very strong. And I'd, I'd nicked my dad's um, Mitchell reel and um, I was using that. And uh, I had uh, a fishing mackerel, a whole mackerel on a, on a, on a treble and a tonic. And it was really windy. There was just left to right wind going. And I hoofed this thing out and the line just got caught. Uh, I was aiming for this this bit of reeds between a sort of island and and you know and, and the shore where I thought fodder fish might be sort of you know gathering up and the pike could be in there. But the the, the wind just took the line right out <laughs> about twenty five yards away from where I was casting, 
and I couldn't get the bobbin on the on the on the uptonic to sort of settle, and it was just going beep 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 like that. And my mate was going like, "That's a fish," and I said, "It's not a fish; it's the wind." And, the, and there was a huge bow in the line. I said, "That's a, it's a fish." And I was, "That's not wind. It's not." So, and we went on of this for a minute or so, and I went, "Oh, he went, we just strike the bloody thing." And I went, "Okay," you know, and I struck, and the water just went mental, you know, literally, you know, like literally where I'd cast, and this huge fish came out of the water, and I was just like, "Holy moly!" and um. And so I, I struck into it and the pike took off along the, the, the bank. And um, and within about a minute, the drag on the reel broke um, on my dad's good old, you know, 50-year-old Mitchell reel. So I had to backwind this pike, you know, and then it started absolutely showering down with rain. And it was that really, it wasn't light rain, you know, it wasn't like a soft day rain. It was like lashing with rain and um, the kind of stuff that hurts you. And um, and Phil said, you know, well, sod this, I'm off to the car. Right? And, he left, and, he, and he left me. So I was like, went up and down this this thing, and, and I remember exactly the time because it took me twenty five minutes to land it, and um, and just as I was landing it, the rain stopped, and Phil came out, and um, and he netted the fish for me, and um, and we waited, and it was I think it was twenty five four or twenty five six or whatever, and um, and, and it was beautiful, biggest pike I'd ever caught, the biggest one I caught for that was about sixteen, and um, and I said, Jesus, a shame about that camera, wasn't it? You know, and. Um, and we put the, we literally we were just putting the thing back and gone, and and the fish there was a little drop off in the lake and um and she just sort of settled off at the bottom of the drop off and sat there for about five minutes you know, kind of looking at us with this kind of funny eye you know, looking at us a bit a bit unhappy you know and um kind of saying what was all that about you know and then it just you know off she went and and with that we heard this sort of the cattle grid in the car park behind us and go and um and it was this big four by four came in and this guy came out. With this huge camera on his back, <laughs> <laughs> and he was there. He was there to photograph the birds, and he kind of rocks up and he goes, "Yeah, I'm fishing are you?" You know, it's just like this, this is this shite weather. What are you doing? Like <laughs> you never got down. And, <laughs> and then, and so yeah, so I go home. I go home that night, and I call my dad, and um, and I told him about it, and uh, he wrote it down on a message, and. Um, and he went off to dinner that night, and uh, and yeah, two days later we got the phone call that he'd passed away. You know, but when I when I went home um, to spend some time with mum and um, the funeral and stuff like that, um, I found the phone message written, and it had twenty five pound pike, um, you know, mackerel dead bait, you know, and uh, yeah, and my friend who we'd seen for dinner um, had said that how uh, how proud he was because uh, that was the biggest fish that a fathom had ever caught. So. The biggest pike that I've found that ever comes. So that's my best fish. Then one of our first uh, of our fishery focus episodes was with Jason Nash on the River Bandon. And Jason talks about a, a four pound grills on water that he had done work on. And then as well as fishing with his son, Killian, his dad, Joe, and his wife. Seven years ago now at this stage, um, like, you know, I, like my, my own job as well as like I'm a, a fisheries ecologist. So seven years ago now, uh, Bandanglers, we had this section of the river, which we rehabilitated. Um, so what we were doing was these angling pools that had kind of degraded over time for one reason or another, uh, we actually went to enhance them. So the ethos back then was, you know, uh, deflectors and creating pools and putting in lies and stuff like that. So I went away and designed it with um, the late Professor uh, Martin O'Grady. And yeah, we, we came up and we, we like, you know, I, I was there now with the, with the track machine and kind of like, you know, 
um, kind of, you know, supervising the works and kind of showing uh, machine driver how to do the stuff and things like that. But um, as soon as we finished anyway, luckily enough, we had a lovely, lovely flood and it was nice to go up there, fish the pools and in like the first pool I fished, uh, it's a small pot is what we call it. It's just below pothole. And yeah, straight away, just started catching salmon like that. So I just found that kind of really, really, really satisfying at that, like, you know, that you can actually kind of go away, do some work for the betterment of angling, but more importantly, also as well, just for the betterment of the river for improving it. And I just kind of got such satisfaction that like, you know, only a week before, you know, that we were in there actually doing this really, really good work, really hands-on work. And then going back there afterwards then and straight away, bang, like, you know, getting the fish. So I, I got great satisfaction with that. And no, it wasn't even a big fish. It was just a nice grills. Uh, I think four pounds covering sea lice of that, like, you know, but it was really, really, really satisfying like that. Like, um, that was class. Yeah, I know it was really, really. Mm-hmm. And then from, um, from another perspective, then I suppose like, um, yeah, take my, my uh, first son, uh, Killian, uh, take him fishing there now a couple of years ago. Um, we uh, went fishing with my dad. So granddad Joe, as he'd call him now. <laughs> and uh, it was one of those days where it was the first flood again for like a month or two. And it was in August and, we were hopeful that like, you know, the fish were there, they were going to be taken. So we got down there and we started fishing. I'd kill him. He was only a baby. He was in the sling and he was ooing and eyeing, and he was loving it and very, very patient like that. Like, you know, so we actually had a, a nice little bit of time there. I hooked the fish and was trying to be careful there now, like, you know, not to hit him in the face of the rod, not getting overexcited. <laughs> and anyway, the, the fish shook the hook anyway, so I lost him. But then thankfully, um, my dad, then he hooked another fish and we got him in like that, like, you know, so. Um, asked my wife she was with us at that like and she was able to photograph the whole moment and you know a photograph of dad then how he was bringing the fish in and I was there kind of stooping out with the net and there's Killian hanging on with the with the sling like that and we we're slipping the net underneath the fish and then we had a, a nice kind of a photo then with the three of us of that like holding the salmon and uh, <laughs> we were, I was trying to put the fish back then but the, the fish kind of had a bit of a kick then as well and uh, it, it, it unfortunately Funnily, unfortunately, but funny, like slapped clean across the face as well. <laughs> just before I got into the water, he's only a little baby like that, like <laughs> burst into tears. But it's only, like, you know, looking back at it, like it's just, you just have to laugh at that, like, you know, just got kind of added to this event. It was very, very, like, you know, but it was a really, really good memory, a really, really good moment of that, like, you know, that we could all kind of share. We did an episode on Tankara fishing, and David Anchel joined us to tell us all about it. Really interesting. I actually found that one a, a very interesting episode. David's most memorable fish, well, he starts off with um, quite a, a small catch and then moves on to something very exotic, as you'll hear. sticks in my mind is a half-pound trout that I caught two days ago in the River Nile. <laughs> going up, it, I couldn't get any fish to take a fly and I was spooking them all and I landed one half-pound trout and I was thoroughly happy. So that's the one that sticks in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> You don't need to be traveling the world. Then. <laughs> That's it. I think, I think, let me answer it a, a bit more sensibly. There was one that stands out in recent years. I went to Tanzania to look for tiger fish and a 20 pound tiger fish is like the ultimate target. And I landed a 22 pounder there and it wasn't just the landing of it. I had to cast an awful long way across the river. The fl- fish took the fly he made an almighty leap and the guide said, oh, my God, look at that. So the guide was like excited because it was the biggest fish that he'd seen that year. Later in the season, we had Peter Driver on Trout River Tactics in September. Um, now, he talks about a lot of different fishing competitions that he's caught. 
But really the most memorable fish was one that he and his father kind of caught in a peculiar way in Lockmass, shall we say. You can have a listen to it. Size has never been a big thing for me. You know, I think it's, but I can tell you about the six inch trout I caught on the Avonmore or an 18 centimeter trout I caught on the Avonmore with the last cast. How valuable was that fish for me that morning? You know, fish or the fish I caught in the toy, fish of lifetime changed my whole, you know, changed my, it, it pathed out my whole fishing career. That one fish in a toy, who would have thought it? You know, um, things like that. So, um, you know, there's, there's loads of fish there that you could, talk, you know, I was looking about, say, that one in Sweden or the one to get to Sweden. The one, uh, there was one in a, in a competition again in Cork, myself and Dave Donovan caught it literally in the first session, but it was the last cast. I made a race maybe 50 yards to throw that cast, a full cast dry dropper up into a corner where I knew there had to be one more fish and made that cast while stumbling at the same time and hooked that fish and took it to the net all in a moment like of madness. But uh, that fish won the session for us and we, we kicked on to win 404, you know, so there's, there's been a lot of fish, um, Barracuda on the fly in, in Dominican Republic. Uh, look, I could write a book on, on fish, but there is one, there's one story and it's very memorable, memorable, not just because it was a lovely trout or the, the conditions we caught it in or whatever maybe, but it was the time, it was the moment and that's very important thing to do for any people that are out there fishing no it's not just about the size of the fish or the catch or the technical ability to catch it but you know it's where you are at the time it's who you're with is very important too you know and oh i can't even remember the year back in 2004 2005 i was going through a very changing time in my life i suppose it would be the best way of describing it and um my dad had just had a triple bypass and, you know, things were changed. The stars were aligning, but I wasn't aware at the time what, where the stars were aligning me towards. Looking back now, I can see, oh, that's where that happened. That's where I'm. But at the time, it was very confusing and things like that. Things were up in the air an awful lot, every aspect of my life. But anyway, dad was starting to recover a bit and he wanted to go away, get, get the hell away for a few days. So I said, you know, this is June or July, July I think it was at the time. And I said, look, let's go to the West. Let's go to the West. Dad loves the car. And uh, let's go to the West. Nice weather. He was strong enough to go and we just go for two days, three days and just chill out and get away from everything. And he agreed. Anyway, so we went on. We stayed in Kong. We fished the Carob the first day. Uh, got a suntan was about all we got. Um, flat cam, not a trout to be seen. We were the only people on the whole Carob, I'd say, uh, sitting out there. But we sat, we sat out in the boat and we had our tea and sandwiches and we drank and turned off the phone. It was, it was, it was a lovely day. Stayed in Kong that night, took a walk around the village, got some dinner and went back and we were on the mask the next day. Never fished mask before in my life, nor dad. And we were boating it as well. Um, so got up the morning and went with mask, flat camp, not a riffle on it. Sun, 20 something degrees, bright sunshine. There was a couple of other loony souls that went out that same day. Uh, we all, I don't know where we actually went out of now. I couldn't even tell you, Tom, but um. When they, we heard a boat and we didn't get them. We we're going out for a drive. We're going to drive around and see Lock Mask. And um, so fished away here and there. Uh, sorry. So dad says, here, pull in there. That's a nice looking island. We'll have a cup of tea. So we pulled in. We got out the Kelly Kettle, made the tea and sat and had sandwiches and talked. And Oh, here, come on. He says, we'll get up and go back in the boat and go for another drive. So we might spot an outro somewhere, you know. Um, so got into the boat, put the boat in reverse, start reversing back. Dad pushes out a little bit, got the oar, put it into the water, pushes out. Turn the engine on reverse, start reversing out and spun the boat around. At the same time, Dad said, oh, look, there's a little bit of a riffle over there. He said, looking in distance, you know, it was like a mirage on desert of water. You know, you see this little riffle, get over there quick. There's, you know, there's a wave. And um, so anyway, we start, put on the engine and start motoring away. And next thing, I said, Jesus, look, look, look behind you. He said, there's a trout, there's a trout behind you. And I said, what? He said, there's a trout rising behind you. Stop the engine, stop the engine quick. So I stopped in, look back, and lo and behold, there was rings of a trout. We'd have to rise them. So I said, 
I grabbed the rod, stripped the rod as fast as I could in panic to cover this fish, covered the fish anyway, and a couple of pulls across it. No, nothing. And next thing, up again. Jeez, there he is again, Dad. Dad says, there he is again. And I stripped back in and covered the fish again, two yards to the right or two yards to the left, whatever it was, and tried it again. And next thing, the fish came up for a third time. And I looked at him and said, that's not right. What the hell is going on there? I said, that, that trout's not rising. Something's wrong. And next thing I said, I think he's floating on the surface. So that's it. Jeez, drive over there, drive over. So I put, drove the boat over anyway and pulled up alongside this lovely big tree, three and a half pound brown trout, beautiful big bar of gold. And here's a man floating up at the top of the lake with the mark of the propeller in the back of his head. Oh where we ran over him coming out of the, we ran over him coming out of the lake, <laughs> the island, ran over the trout and put the net under and put the trout into the bag. And that's, geez, that's the handiest trout we'll ever get. But now, yeah, we came back in after the lake. Come back in after Lake. Now, this is true. I'm, I'm just telling the story, and you can put the story. Out, and my dad will back me up 100%. And there's even a few men on mass that back it up for a new year. But uh, coming back in after Lake anyway, and we, we pulled up at the shore, and geez, we were delighted ourselves with our trout. And, uh, and um, he wasn't going back, unfortunately. We would have tried to pull him back, but he was, he was dead as a, dead as a joke. Um, but anyway, arrived in, and the other lads were coming in after Lake. It was a couple of lads out for a drive. Nah, they didn't even see a trout. Dad took out this big pro trout, anyway, pro as a bunch. And geez, what you get him on? I got him on the propeller fly. <laughs> so we often meant to design a fly pattern and call it the propeller fly. But the boys couldn't believe, geez, what's that fly? Oh, that's a top secret pattern of us wicked boys and bad guys. Dan for AIDS, the car park, such a crack we had. But you know what? What a memorable fish. It wasn't even just that it was a lovely trout or there's a whole story about it. The fact that it was there with my dad, um, you know, on that weekend, we had a lovely weekend that weekend. And that's what fishing's all about too. It's not just about the competitions or the medals. That stuff is all great. But for me, it's the memories, it's the stories we have, it's the camera companionship we have with our fellow anglers and things like that so you know it leads us to great places at times fly fishing uh whacking wonderful but there was my that was my most <laughs> you know i debated about all week what's my most memorable fish what's the one one story i have not just the stands out from the rest like they're all fabulous trout like but um you know one most memorable was that one not just because of the trope or the story that we ran him over you'll have to tie that fly during the uh the i will yeah i'll have to come up with the propeller fly yeah yeah i've often probably trying to come up with some kind of way yeah call it propeller fly our thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the show this year. And stay tuned for our second volume of Most Memorable Fish on the Fly Stories sometime in 2023. We hope you all have a peaceful and happy new year, and we'll be back out on the water again soon and start putting some of those fly fishing resolutions into action as well. Don't forget to rate, review, and follow the Ireland on the Fly podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Plus, you can keep up to date on IrelandOnTheFly.com as well as on Instagram. And myself and Tom will be back in the new year in 2023 with the first episode about the people and places of fly fishing in Ireland. The Mayfly is up and the excitement is palpable. Wherever you are in Ireland, the lakes and rivers are soon to be hatching with Mayfly soon. And to help you improve your catch rate this season, we've used a Mayfly Tactics Masterclass with international angler, guide and renowned tire, Jackie Mann. If you want to learn about setup, tactics, conditions and flies, then head over to www.irelandonthefly.com forward slash masterclass where you can find out all the details to access the recording and Jackie's notes. If you want to catch that difficult fish or try out new tactics, then this masterclass is for you.